0: Welcome to the Smoke and PTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Diver. I am a survivor of suicide, a survivor of childhood emotional and physical abuse, as well as a veteran of the U.S. Navy and a retired first responder. I started this podcast to help me on my journey to wellness by sharing my story, my thoughts, and my experiences in a hope that my story will reach and help others and let them know that it's okay to not be okay. With that being said, I'm not a licensed mental or behavioral health professional. I'm just a guy who's been through some stuff and has experienced a trauma survival. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, medical treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding any mental health symptoms and never disregard professional help or delay in seeking professional advice or treatment because of something you have heard on this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode as your comments can only serve to improve the content. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Smoking PTSD podcast. I'm going to start with a, a quote, try and do things a little bit differently here, and maybe uh, get a quote going in the beginning that'll maybe uh, summarize what the rest of the show is going to be about. But the quote that I found on the internet doesn't have a author attributed to it, but it says, don't be ashamed of your story, it will inspire others. And I like that one because it goes... Directly to why I do this podcast, that it's not for anyone in particular except for me. I appreciate the followers that I have. I truly appreciate the comments and the likes that I've gotten on Apple and Google Podcasts. However, this is mainly because this outlet helps me to deal with my daily PTSD issues and my weekly bouts of depression that I have. So I just put some uh, four racks of ribs onto the smoker and I'm going to describe at the end of the episode about those, talk about those a little bit. And I put some uh, pictures of the preparation work on my Instagram page, which is smoking underscore PTSD so if you guys want to check that out, you'll get some really good pictures and a, and a video of how I prepared the ribs. I had a very uh, welcome surprise yesterday. I listened to a podcast called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. And Mr. Sampson was the president of the Miami Marlins for baseball team for 18 years. And he's his podcast is focused on the business side of sports, which I enjoy and find very fascinating. And he doesn't only talk about sports. He talks about a lot of other things, but when he does talk about sports, it's not just baseball. So he talks about the business world, financial stuff, really good pod. So he has on his Twitter feed, he welcomes you to ask questions. And I had asked him questions before communicating with it, with him back and forth a couple of times. And I asked a question about imposter syndrome and had he ever dealt with it and had, if he had, how, what was his way of handling it or adapting to it? I wrote the question to him in a DM on Twitter at David P. Sampson on the 11th of August. And I didn't hear anything back from him. And I kept saying, you know, that's fine. I know he's busy. Maybe it wasn't in his wheelhouse. So he does a lot of marathons and a lot of traveling around the world. And when he's traveling and he's away from his microphone, he does what's called what he calls a mailbag and listeners can write in questions on any of his podcast feeds or on Twitter and he'll get back to them. Sometimes he gets back to them. Sometimes he doesn't. Well, I didn't read the description of what the episode was when I was listening to it yesterday. And I was at work before the store opened and I had my AirPods in and I was listening to it. And all of a sudden he's reading my question on the air on his podcast and mentioned my podcast by name. And I I laughed at the, the disclaimer that he had for his sponsors. He says, if this is one of the worst, podcast ever. I have nothing to do with it. and never heard about it. But if it ends up being the next great thing about depression and PTSD, well, you heard it here first. And that made me laugh. But I, I really appreciated David giving me the shout out and mentioning the pod by name um, while he answered my question about imposter syndrome. So today's episode, we're going to talk about Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and what it teaches us about trauma survival. And I wrote about uh, his higher grade needs a couple of times, um, with articles with when I was in the fire service and I've always found what he postulates as the importance for human survival to have a direct correlation with our survivability with behavioral health challenges. So, anyone who's not familiar with him, he was was a psychologist who, in 1943, proposed a theory describing what he felt are the five stages necessary for human subsistence and satisfaction. And his theory is often depicted in illustrated form in the form of a pyramid. And I've also added the an illustration of his pyramid of the hierarchy of needs onto my Instagram feed. So his theory places the psychological needs such as food, water, and air at the base of the pyramid, followed by safety, belonging, and esteem. Esteem needs, our personal esteem needs, moving up the pyramid. At the top of the pyramid, is the need for self-actualization, and that is described by Maslow as the desire to become everything one is capable of becoming. And the mental health recovery paradigm has a very similar overarching goal, which is for people to, quote, strive to reach their full potential, unquote. Obviously, there are varying ways in which we can strive to reach and to maintain our full potential. And his pyramid here helps us to attain that by putting it in the simplest of forms that you need to attain the base of the pyramid, food, water, air, at, before you can move up to the next section of the pyramid, which is safety. Uh, so you need to have food, you need to have water, you need to have breathable air, eatable wa- uh, drinkable water, eatable food, and then shelter comes next. And I, I find that very interesting because we, in our behavioral health crises, look for shelter not only in a house or an apartment wherever we live in our bedroom and just stay sheltered, but in our own in our own minds we will shelter ourselves. Maslow's original hypothesis stated, having one's basic needs met is a necessary prerequisite to pursuing a fulfilling life. So to better understand what he's talking about, I'm going to discuss the uh, five stages here. So Maslow's original hierarchy consisted of five stages, psychological needs, water, air, food, primary needs of all animals. The second step, now remember that this is going from the bottom up. The second step on the pyramid is safety needs, health, absence of conflict, financial security, and shelter. The third need is community and belonging, which is typically typically met by family and friends. Whether we join clubs, a a volunteer fire department, the VFW, uh, the JCs, something like that. The fourth step in the pyramid is esteem, and that is, that is our own self-esteem where we have fulfilled the other three needs, we are feeling good about ourselves, we're in a happy place physically, financially, and mentally. And then the fifth stage is self-actualization, which is the ability to meet one's true potential. Maslow also stipulated that a failure to have needs met at any stage of the hierarchy could lead to illness, particularly mental health issues. And if you lose one of the stages on the pyramid, you have to go back to the stage that you're now in. So if you lose some of your self-esteem for whatever reason, because of behavioral health issues, let's say you have to go back to stage three into the community and belonging and, try and build your esteem up again before you can actually go back up to stage five of self actualization. And as we've discussed before, emotional and psychological trauma is the result of extraordinarily stressful events that shatter your sense of security. And we've discussed before how that the trauma actually affects the brain, but just leaving it as a, in a basic parlance here, the, it, it shatters our sense of security. And psychological trauma can leave you struggling with upsetting emotions, memories, and anxiety that won't go away. And that's courtesy of helpgiving.org. And as I've said, after, after my father died, um, I had a physically and emotionally abusive stepfather come into my life. Uh, My mother married this guy, uh, see episode two for that explanation. And rather than my mom protect me from him, she joined in his sadistic appetite rather than protecting her kids. And I don't know why that happened. Uh, I guess a part of that could probably be explained by my mom's own behavioral health issues that were. That also arose out of my father's suicide, as she was the one who actually found him uh, and not being able to properly and correctly process those thoughts and feelings that she had. I'm sure there were thoughts of abandonment by her husband, thoughts of failure on her part to protect her husband, as well as a sudden need to now be the sole breadwinner and protector of her three kids. And I've, as I've said before, that uh, in that test, she failed miserably. So without... The feeling of safety within our own home as a child, we lose one of the crucial steps in the hierarchy of needs, resulting in central nervous system dominance, which leads to poor grades, which I did have, poor concentration, I did have that, depression, yes, sleep disturbances, yes, and anxiety, yes. So if our caregivers do not respect us, we are likely to experience lower self-esteem. And if they don't respect us and abuse us psychologically, emotionally, and physically, we are likely to lose not only our self-esteem and respect, but our feelings of love and belonging and our safety and security. So as a kid, I was constantly in the bottom of the pyramid, just trying to survive with the basic necessities of life that I had around me food, water, and air. So looking at the, the DBT book about how trauma affects our pyramid, it states that trauma survivors by definition have experienced unmet needs. And I just gave a couple of examples of what my unmet needs were with my mom and my stepfather. So what happens to us when our needs are not met? So if we recall, the, the two principles discovered by Maslow with our minds tend to focus on unmet needs more than met needs because we're constantly in that struggle of getting to the next space or if we lost one of our steps along the way of trying to get back to where we once were. And the second principle is when multiple needs are not met, as, as they weren't with me, the safety, security, belonging, esteem, the brain tends to focus more on the lower needs, which is what I stated to you. So I was constantly just striving and surviving with my basic needs rather than trying to attain any of the other needs because those, those weren't going to get met simply on my own as an, a child and an adolescent between the ages of 5 and 18, or I guess 5 and 13 Five years old when my father passed away and 13 when my mom finally divorced Fred. So it states here that in other words, when one or more of the first four need levels are not met, that's what our brain focuses on. And that's when we go into survival mode by investing our time and energy into meeting our needs as opposed to developing our talents, gifts and interests. So as a kid, I wasn't really able to develop any of that. I was sort of immediately thrown into a role of an adult in my survival mode needs in that I wasn't really able to do things as a kid for fear of constantly being beaten on by my stepfather who... As a kid, you, you'd say, well, there's he won't hit me if I don't do this or he won't hit me if I don't do that. And you realize that he's not hitting you because you did something right or wrong. He's hitting you because he doesn't know how to process his own bullshit. So that's why he's taking it out on you. I had adopted a reactive needs-based orientation for myself as opposed to a proactive strength-based orientation where I was able to rely on other people in my household to help me to accomplish things, I couldn't do that and I wasn't able to be proactive. I needed to be reactive and react to whatever the situation and the mood was of the adults around me. I was no longer... I personally was not focused on reaching my full potential and meeting meeting any goals that I had as a as a child and an adolescent or performing at the top of my game. What I was doing was simply surviving for 7 or 8 years of my life as a kid. So that has certainly affected me as an adult in that I was not very good at meeting Needs by myself. I was struggling to move up into the next step of the pyramid. So my brain was wired into not being very good at meeting needs by myself. I was, I had created more problems for myself because I was trying to meet the needs that were ineffective to me and counterproductive and maladaptive. I was focused on just surviving even as an adult rather than thriving because that's what was ingrained in my head and that's all that I knew was surviving whereas when once I became an adult and I was in the navy I wasn't even after that I wasn't able to thrive because I wasn't processing what had happened to me as a kid very well I wasn't processing the maladaptive treatments that I had received I wasn't processing what my father's suicide did to me and did for me. And because of that, I was taking up to other impulses that were reactive and self-destructive, such as drugs, drinking, binging, and unsafe sex, uh, which I have spoken about before on the pod, and... Those are ways of me coping and me just surviving in the current level of the pyramid that I find myself. And I was not able to move out of that survivability mode, simply staying in survivability mode until my mom remarried her Third husband Mike, uh, who she stayed married to for close to 30 years and until he he passed away this past January but he was the most forthright paternal figure I ever had in my life. Unfortunately, by the time he came into my life, I was 13. I had already had a numerous already had numerous amounts of trauma in my life and for me, he was just another guy who was going to just do his thing. And it took me a long time to try and relate to him. And he was, he was a very good man. He never once laid his hands on me in anger. And he taught me how to fish. First time I ever went out on a boat was with him. First time I ever went fishing was with him. We went hunting together. Uh, he, was, he was a good man. He really was. So, unfortunately, it took me many years, several decades, to realize that my maladaptive tendencies were all related to how I was treated as a child and how my childhood unfolded because of the events of my father dying, because of the man that my Mother married the second time. I often think of how different my life would be had my father not died, or had she not married Fred. But obviously, those are uh, you know the you can wish in one hand and crap in the other. Um, see which one gets you somewhere, right? So, if you're you seem to be struggling to get yourself to the next step in the pyramid, maybe we need to take some time and maybe do like a little restart like we sometimes have to do on our computer and talk with your therapist or talk with a, a close friend or family member or member of the clergy, whoever you feel that you can confide in. And maybe that's all that's needed is, is just a little bit of a reset in that direction. So as I had discussed with you guys before, I've been doing a procedure called TMS, transcranial Magnetic stimulation. I've had six sessions. Uh, It's very interesting. I asked Dave and Laura if they would join me as guests on the podcast to explain in further detail exactly what TMS is, why it works, and how. And they have graciously accepted. So we're going to record that episode on Monday. So next week's episode, I will have my first guests. And I'm really looking forward to that. So I know I haven't really included any. uh, Smoking recipes or anything for a while, so I'm going to get back into that. I have four racks of rib on the smoker right now, and I have pictures on the Instagram feed of me prepping them. And one of the important parts of cooking spare ribs is to turn the ribs over, and on the back of the rib, the back side of them, there is a membrane, um, and that membrane should be removed which makes the the ribs a little bit more tender uh and not as chewy. Some people like them chewy, so some people will just score the membrane like take diagonal um make diagonal marks on the membrane with a paring knife. I remove it. I like the uh I like the ribs to be a little bit more tender and I think it it e- more easily removes the meat from the bone. So the easiest way to do that is to take a paring knife and cut right along the edge of where the membrane uh, ends and then take a butter knife and you put the end of the butter knife, the flat of the butter knife. You don't want to use the the blade part of the butter knife because you don't want the serrated edge to cut it, but the flat edge of the butter knife and put it into the membrane into that little slit and it will penetrate in there. And then you take um, some paper towel take the knife out and then take the some paper towel in your hand and just pull. You're not going to be able to pull it with your fingers because it's going to be too slippery, but you get one or two pieces of paper towel in your hand and you'll be able to remove that membrane very easily. And that's going to help to uh, tenderize the ribs during the cooking process. And like I said, they're going to become um, much less chewy. And what I the rib that I used today was the Pit Boss... Pro Series Competition Rubs Sweet Rib Rub, the ingredients of which are brown sugar, salt, sugar, spices, and garlic, dried garlic. And I've used this rub before. It's little uh, granulated pellets, and it's it's really, really good. Uh, so that's how I did. So check out the, uh, the pictures on Instagram at smoking underscore PTSD, and I'll put some of the uh, pictures of the ribs when they're finally done. And look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Please rate, subscribe, and review as your comments can only serve to improve this podcast. If you or someone you know are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please call or text the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 988. Veterans can also call 988 and press 1 or text 838255. You can reach me at Twitter at smoking PTSD on Instagram, at Smokin underscore PTSD, or email me at the smoking PTSD podcast at gmail.com. And please remember, everyone you meet is struggling with something you know nothing about, so please, let's be kind to one another.